Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. If you do not, please take advantage of the Pew Bible in front of you on page 1381. Page 1381 there, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I'm going to ask that you stand with me this morning. Stand with me in reverence of the reading of the Word of God. It won't take long, I promise. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and the Word of God says this, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful to be here gathered in the house of the Lord. Lord, I pray today that we would see the weight, the power, the importance of the gathering. Lord, may we feel that on ourselves, not in a burdensome way, but the privilege that we've been given. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I, uh, I know what you must be thinking this morning. And uh, if I were you, I would be thinking that uh, here he goes again. He's going to try to scare us about what happens to God's people when they don't go to church. Or uh, he's going to make us feel guilty about not going to church. Either way, oh, I don't have my graphic up, but either way, that about sums up the gist of what we're going to hear today. So, okay, I'll admit it, at some point today, I am going to tell you you ought to be in church. But I don't want you to, to just hang out on that point to just think, oh, there we go. There we got it. Uh, I'm not going to do that to you this morning, by the way. <laughs> Anyway, I will tell you to come to church and meet together, but that's not the main point today. I want you to see that the gathering of God's people, the meeting together of God's people, the assembling together, whatever your, your passage of Scripture says here, the gathering of God's people is so much bigger than go to church or the devil will get you. As we'll see today from the whole counsel of the Word of God, the gathering of God's people is a cosmic event. It has its origins in the creation of the world and even the very nature of God Himself, who, being a triune God, is Himself gathered together. But today I'm going to do something unusual in a sermon. I, I'm going to preach a, a little bit differently today. I'm going to have a, a, a ridiculously long introduction. So I'm telling you this for one main reason, and that is this. So you don't totally, you know, freak out when I say point number one, and it's a long way into this, okay? I'm not just getting started when you hear point number one. I'm actually getting nearer the end, so I wouldn't normally tell you the whole outline, but there you go. When you hear point number one, you're drawing to an end, okay? Uh, so don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> but let's dive into the Word of God, shall we? I want you to see how the Word of God speaks to this idea of gathering. We're not just going to jump right into the text and say, okay, you ought to be at church. I want you to see how important this is, what God invests in this idea of gathering, why He gathers His people. I want you to see through the witness of Scripture that it's always been God's nature, His plan, His design 
to gather. I've already mentioned, but, but you see, before anything was, a triune God existed. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. See, before God even said, let there be light, there was a gathering. There was a gathering of souls. Father, Son, and the Spirit gathered together. And there in the beginning, God gathers the waters. He makes the sea. He creates everything. And everything is good except one thing. And the one thing that is not good is solitude. It's not good that man should be alone. So He creates woman and they are gathered together. And we see the very first church service take place as Jesus says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm in their midst. And here they are gathered to praise and worship and commune with God. A few years later, and the hearts of men are wicked. And God gathers Noah, the righteous one, and his family into an ark to save them from the wrath that is to come. This is a foreshadowing of what happens when Jesus gathers His family under His protection against the wrath of God. We see this occasionally in Scripture, but here at Babel, the people are scattered. We're not gathered because we're rebellious, because we're arrogant. And God spends the rest of Scripture gathering in His people. And Abraham, God promises to gather all the nations together and bless the earth through His offspring. In Egypt, the people of God are gathered at first in salvation through God's servant Joseph. And later on, there arose a Pharaoh who knew not God, who knew not Joseph. And the people are gathered together as slaves. Moses gathers the Israelites by the Red Sea and they walk through on dry ground. The Israelites again are gathered, this time at the foot of a great mountain in Sinai. They're trembling as the Lord God speaks to Moses with claps of thunder and bolts of lightning. Just moments later, it seems, they're gathered together, this time around a golden calf, immediately breaking a covenant they've just made. God redeems them, and later on at the temple of God, where the Spirit of God is dwelling, His people once again gather this time to bring offering and prayer and to commune with God. After Moses dies, they gather on the shores of the Jordan River with Joshua and they stand at the precipice of the promised land. And after the conquest of the promised land, Joshua gathers all the people together and he delivers this challenge to them. Choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Yet during the times of Judges, the people once again scatter, as the Bible tells us that each man does what was right in his own eyes. Yet through the prophet Samuel, the Lord granted them a human king, and where Saul failed, the Lord's anointed David gathered the nation together. David's son Solomon gathered the people at the temple of God, which he constructed. And at its dedication, the people are gathered as the Ark of the Covenant is brought in. As the glory of God descends on the temple like a cloud. Again, the people are scattered as the, as the kingdom splinters. The northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. They're exiled off into various places, Assyria and Babylon. 
2 Chronicles 34, we read how the boy king Josiah gathered the men of Israel to hear all the words of the book of the covenant read. Through the prophets, the Lord God foretold the gathering of God's people again. Prophet, the prophet Isaiah says at one point, God will lift up a standard for the nation and assemble the banished ones of Israel. And He will gather to the dispersed of Judah from the, Judah from the four corners of the earth. And in Isaiah chapter 60, it's not just the dispersed of Judah. In Isaiah chapter 60, we see all the nations gathered to the light of New Jerusalem. In Ezra, we see a remnant of God's people gathered together as they rebuild the destroyed, destructed temple. Fast forward a few hundred years. Our Lord Jesus Christ puts on human flesh and He enters this world. And the very first scene that we see, a gathering of angels, myriads of myriads, around a small group of shepherds. And then the shepherds gather around the babe in the stable, and Jesus Himself, as soon as He is able, is gathered with the people of God. As a matter of fact, His own parents can't find Him. He's in the house of His Father with His people in His earthly ministry, thousands upon thousands of people gather around Jesus Christ as He heals the sick and the blind and the lame, and He feeds the hungry, and He teaches the masses. His followers gather wherever He is. Towards the end of His earthly ministry, He gathers the twelve in the upper room together for the Last Supper. At the foot of His cross, during His crucifixion, the people are scattered, afraid, confused. But two are gathered there. Where two or more are gathered, John and the mother of Jesus are gathered at the foot of the cross in His presence, holding vigil. When next we see the people of God, they're gathered together behind closed doors, fear who appears but Jesus Christ himself the resurrected Lord in their midst for he said in Matthew's gospel where two or three have gathered together in my name I am there in their midst in Acts chapter 1 he gathers the believers together one last time before he ascends into heaven he gives them final instructions as they watch him go up into the heavens in a cloud Afterwards, 120 disciples are gathered in a room together on the edge of Pentecost. And as Pentecost comes, 3,000 souls are brought into the kingdom of God. And as we've already read, their first habit, their first uh, common expression of unity is to gather together in prayer, in a communion. They gather in the temple, they gather in one another's homes for meals and for worship. In Acts chapter 10, you and I, the Gentiles, are gathered into the people of God. Eight of Paul's letters address the gatherings of God's people, the churches. The book of Hebrews addresses a gathering of God's people. Peter's epistles address the gatherings of God's people. Finally, in the book of Revelation, we see the 24 elders gathered around the throne. The Almighty God worshiping Him. 
the four living creatures gathering together to unceasingly declare, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And every creature in heaven on earth is gathered around the Lamb who was slain to shout praise and glory and honor to Him. And after a time of turmoil and tribulation, John's gaze lands upon a great white throne with the Almighty Judge sitting upon it. And around this throne are gathered all from death, all from Hades and the seas, the great and the small. And they are judged according to their works. And only those whose name is written in the book of life were spared the second death. And these blessed ones are gathered together for a great feast like no other. The marriage supper of the Lamb, where the Father hosts all of His children for the first time around His table. And as John's vision begins to fade, he catches a glimpse of this incredible city built by God Himself. And in this place, the new Jerusalem descending out of heaven is the ultimate gathering of God's people. It's where we will once again be together with the Lord, as in the days of Adam. We've walked quickly through that, but believe it or not, we've just scratched the surface. If you've got another four hours, we can go back through it. Oh, the power, the weight of the gathering of God's people is so much more than a group of people sitting in pews. The church is not just something, attending church is not just something Christians ought to do. It's not just a good habit that we ought to have. It's not just for fellowship. It's not just for learning the Bible. It's not just for catching up on community happenings. It's not just to honor family traditions. It's not just a time to get your spiritual batteries recharged. It's not just a time to, to, to herd around the trough and get spiritually fed. It is much more than that. Point number one. The gathering of God's people is a cosmic event that reverberates throughout the universe. This is more than what we do here in Gadsden. This is more than what you do in your neighborhood. This is a cosmic event. This is for the, the principalities and the powers and the angels and everyone on the face of the globe to see. Eighteen hours ago, a church in Sydney, Australia was gathered together in the name of the Lord. Nine hours ago, a secret church in Baghdad risked their lives to gather together. And they used an illegal book and sang illegal songs in an illegal meeting to lift up a Lord who's not welcome in that place. Six hours ago, worshipers in London, England gathered all across the city. And four hours from now, believers in Honolulu, Hawaii will do the same. For 24 hours straight, the people of God will chase the rising sun across the globe as we gather together to praise and worship God. And it is a witness, it is a declaration to the world the worship of God, the majesty of God. 
I dare say the sun does not set on the worship of God for one whole day every week and beyond. Well, if we're, at, if we're honest with ourselves, it probably never sets on the worship of God. But on the gathering of people together, what a testimony. So I want you to know the main reason we come here today it's not for you. It's not for me. I think one of the reasons why it's easy to not come to church is because we think, well, I don't really need it today. It's easy to miss out on something that you think is benefiting you, right? That's why people can miss a Sunday or two or ten or twenty. But it's not about us. It's not only about us, it's about our Lord and Savior. It's about demonstrating to the watching world the unity of the believers of Jesus Christ. Now, I cut this huge section out of here about how the gathering displays unity. So just insert in your mind a lot of words about unity. It's about worshiping the Almighty God. Anybody can worship. And I've heard people say before, well, I can worship God in my bass boat or on the golf course by myself. Sure you can. But we have explicit teaching from the Word of God that there is something special, there is something unique about the gathered people of God. That is why Jesus Christ Himself didn't say wherever you are. He said wherever two or three are gathered. Now, I don't think He means that when I'm by myself, Jesus isn't there. But I think it's very, it's, it's unbelievably important that He goes out of His way to say something because Jesus is always there. He's there when I'm by myself. So why does he even need to say something about the, 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 the fact that he's there when I'm with someone else? Because it's special. It's powerful. It's unique. It's different. When we gather together for the purpose of prayer, communion, worship, he's here. Like he's here right now with us what a privilege he's here that's what he longs for I think he told us that because he wants us to know if you do this I will show up I want to be a part of that you know in the garden of Eden before mankind sinned and destroyed and damned the world the Lord dwelt in the presence of man in perfect creation. In the old song, He walks and talks with me. And after the holy city of Jerusalem comes down from heaven, He will once again dwell with His people in this glorified recreation. But between Eden and New Jerusalem, we're it. This is it. There's no temple, there's no holy of holies. This is where God gathers with His people. This is where the presence of God is most notably manifested. Not in this room, particularly, but yes, in this room. But wherever we gather, on Sunday morning we are celebrating the day on which our Lord was raised from the dead, and He is here Secondly, 
Gathering together in unity is part of our identity in Christ and commanded by God. So I told you eventually we'd get here. <laughs> it's commanded by God. Let me just say, though, that gathering is what defines us as a church, and it's what defines you as being a church member or part of a church. You know, in the New Testament, there's no such thing as a church role necessarily. They don't, I mean, they probably had something like this, but the way they recognize whether or not you're a member of the church is do you come to the gatherings? You know, that's how we know who our members are. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul explains that part of what it means to be a follower of Christ is to be a part of a body. And the only way a body part can function is if it's gathered together with other believers. You don't just see a, a finger hanging out over here, you know, saying, well, I'm glad I'm part of this body, just, you know, the finger. It, you know, we all come together to be a body. If we're not, then we're amputees. And there are no amputees in the body of Christ. You know, I, and just speaking practically, I've not lived too terribly long, but I've been around a while. And I've been around churches for a while, and I, and I can tell you, I have never once seen a healthy, vibrant, growing Christian who intentionally, by choice, refused to gather with the people of God. Now listen to me, by choice. There are many who are not here today who would love to be here. And I'll speak to them in, in a moment. But I'm not seeing a, a healthy believer who just, eh, I don't feel like going to church. Now every now and again, I'm not saying somebody who misses church is automatically anathema, but, but the person who makes the habit of neglecting the meeting. You know, I'll admit it, we're not perfect here. I'm not perfect. The music may not be every song that you love to sing and all the ones that you, you wanted to hear. And the, the preaching certainly isn't uh, in, that engaging and entertaining. Uh, you might not even see your friend that you wanted to see here. But I, I have to ask you, what do those things have to do with following Christ in obedience? Now, we do sing songs we love. And we do hope that the preaching is powerful. And we do hope that we see people that we know. But we don't come and gather for those reasons. Those are benefits. We come because we're commanded. We come together because we cannot be the body separated. And to forsake the assembling, the gathering of God's people is to mar the picture of Christ to a watching world. It just is. Everybody is watching us and they're saying, we, we say we put our lives on the line for our fate. I deny my family. I deny my friends for what I believe in. And yet when people gather together to worship the living God, I got better things to do. Like what? It's not just a sin. It's a repudiation of what it means to be united in Christ. We gather. As I said, I understand people miss. And I'm not talking to those folks who are absent here and there. Let's back up a little bit in Hebrews 10. Look at verse 23 and following. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, and so on. See, gathering with God's people is part of how God perseveres us in the faith. It's how we retain our hope in God. It, it's also how we admonish and encourage one another. There's, there's a lot here, too, that I cut out. <laughs> it was going to be three hours sermon, so... Uh, no, it actually was. I had to cut a lot out. <laughs> but, but we have so much here to be gained from it. So we do have a command of God, but it's also, gosh, there's so much to be gained. There's so much to be gained here. Where else are you strengthened in your faith? Sure, you can listen to someone on the radio or, or read a book. But there's nothing like being in the presence of God's people and feeling the stirring of the Spirit. Where else is someone going to correct you when you're wrong? A TV preacher isn't going to come out and do that in your living room. He might mention a sin that you have and you can easily rationalize, he's not talking to me, but my neighbor over here. Where else are people going to encourage you directly? I know this thing is happening in your life. I'm praying for you. How can I minister to you? We get this in the gathering. Before we close today, I, I do want to say a word to those, those precious saints who are not here today. Maybe you're working, trying to feed your family. Maybe, maybe your health doesn't allow you to be here. Maybe you're in the hospital or the nursing home or, or just homebound today and you cannot be here. First, I want to say to you, we miss you. We miss you very much. We hate that you can't be here with us. And if you're watching on TV today and this isn't your church home, I guarantee you, your church home misses you too. And I want you to know today that I am not admonishing you. I'm not wagging my finger at those of you who cannot be here. I know that you would be here if you could. And that's why it is such a shame for us who can be and don't. Those of us who are healthy and able and otherwise have no other reason why we can't be here other than we just don't feel like it. Shame on us. There are so many faithful servants of God who would give anything to be here. I've been in the homes. And I've been at the hospital beds. People weeping. Telling me they, they wish they could be there. And we squandered it. We got better things to do. You have been given a privilege to be able to come and gather with God's people. It's not a burden to get up on Sunday morning and drive to 235 South 5th Street. It's a privilege. To sing our song. To pray together. To embrace your brothers and sisters in Christ. By way of invitation, I, I want to encourage you, church member. Just consider the weight. Consider the importance of the gathering 
I didn't go into all the details, every last thing it can do for you and all the benefits and all the bad things. But I hope you can see it's, it's a big deal. It's not a small thing. And I encourage you, don't get in the habit of neglecting our meetings. And if you have been in the habit, change the habit. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord, I encourage you today. Come gather with the people of God. Physically here, but also spiritually. Gather with us in our unified faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that He died to save us from our sins and if we put our trust in Him, we can have forgiveness of our sins and live with Him eternally. I encourage you to be a part of our family. If you have questions, I'm going to be standing right down here after the service. I'd love to talk with you. If you have bigger questions and can be answered in a few minutes, I'd love to speak with you this week. Pastor Matt will be back in the office this week as well. I'd love to talk with you about what it means to be a part of the family of God. But I can tell you one thing. He's waiting patiently on you. He doesn't wish that any should perish, but that all should come the knowledge of faith and repentance in Him. So today, church member, visitor, questioner, I encourage you to gather with us this morning. In just a moment, we're going to sing and offer an invitation. And if you would like to respond, you can come forward during the invitation or you can stay right in your seat there and pray and do business with the Lord. But upon my prayer, Nathan will come and lead us in a worship, in an in a invitation hymn. Let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful to be here. And I pray, I pray, Lord, that more than anything today, we would appreciate the privilege of what it is we've been given to gather with the people of God as there are people scattered across the world who don't have the ability to come freely. And there are people in our church who don't have the ability to physically get up and come. Lord, I pray that you would meet us here when we gather and that we would gather for the right reasons. And if we don't, Lord, that while we're here, you would change us and admonish us. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you, that you would gather them into the fold today. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name.